39, and, and Jesus does something in this, in this that was actually um, not necessarily in line with protocol because this was the Feast of Tabernacles, and as they, it was a great big feast, one of the biggest feasts of the Jewish people, and at the end of it, the great, it kind of all culminates on this, great, this last day. The last day, it's all kind of building up to the last day of the feast, and here Jesus stands up and does something. It says, on that last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and he cried out saying, if anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart or out of his belly, uh, the, the, the King James says, will flow rivers of living water. And then, he, then John, the apostle, uh, explains what Jesus was talking about. He said, and he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him, that's key, because he said the spirit that only those who believing in him would receive, meaning the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So the title of the message, as you've already seen, is Desiring the Holy Spirit. And it's based upon the word, the term that Jesus used here. He says thirst. Thirst, thirst speaks of desire. So let's see what the word desire. Thirst means feeling of need or wanting to drink something. He said, so he says, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to drink. Anyone that has a, a need of thirst, spiritual thirst, thirst in their life for something that is greater than them, let them come to me and drink. That word thirst also speaks of desire, a strong feeling of wanting to have something or wishing for something to happen. Thus, the title, Desiring the Holy Spirit, that have, have a strong desire to, for the fullness of Christ working in us and accomplishing the great will of God. The thing about it is that, that unless we have this great desire for more of God, we can then go and operate in our life and, 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 and doing the things that we desire and never consulting God for what he desires. See, the reality is a, a life that is not spirit-filled will be, will be filled with something. Hear this now. A life that is not spirit-filled will be filled with something. A life that is not spirit-filled will be filled with something. Now, let me explain this. A person who's not born again, who does not know Christ, they may be full of spirits. That has not been born again, they be full, they be, they're full of, of spirits of all kinds, of many kinds. But someone who has been born again but is still not walking in a, having, having a spirit-filled, living a spirit-filled life, they will be filled with carnality. See, the reality is carnality is when we, when we walk according to our flesh. That the things, that, how we live our life, how we conduct ourselves, we're not concerned about what God desires, we're concerned about what we're desiring. And the truth of the matter is that the church of Jesus Christ is filled with carnal Christians. They don't even take into account the words of Jesus. Women don't even care about what they put on their bodies. Even though Jesus said, those who follow me must, must, must follow what I commanded. He said, if a man looketh at a woman and lusted after her, he's committed adultery in his heart. And yet they're confessing Christian women who will put on things that are provocative and sexual and that tempt men and still don't have a problem with it. 
and, and will stand and talk in tongues and dance all over the church and fall all out and lay hands on people and walk around in carnality. Oh, preach, pastor. Oh, I'm getting started. Because the truth of the matter is, you've got to have a desire and a wishing for the fullness of God manifesting itself in your life. And why would any woman want another man other than her husband looking at her desire in her? And why would any spirit-filled single woman want anybody except the man bring her, the man that God has for her, wanting to desire and lay with her? The thing is, watch this now. I watched this the other day. When you collect garbage, garbage produces maggots. Maggots produce flies who then produce more maggots. Watch this. When you are attracting somebody just with your outward appearance, all you're going to do is attract garbage. And the garbage brings flies who produce maggots, who produce flies. So you have this cycle of troubling situations and matters in your life that continue to take you through the ringer. Young men who want to be seen and flexing and showing. Wanting the ladies to see what they have. See what's on display. And then go grab somebody and try to make her a wife when she's not one. The Bible says he that findeth a wife. Key to key word, an operative term is find. Do you realize you don't have to look far to get married? Just find somebody, y'all, we're going to do something. But the Bible says he that findeth. Findeth means I've got to be, there's some searching involved. Because not every person, every woman with every woman with the title wife is a wife. I'm not help, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not picking on anybody. Watch this now though. If you take a chicken and put a dress on it, is it no longer a chicken? It's still a chicken, right? So if you take a chicken head and put a title wife on her, does it make her no longer a chicken head? Then you want to come and sit down and spend all my time, waste all my time. Oh, Pastor, I don't know what's going on. You know what they was when you got them. You know what? I feel like we need to march in together. Come on, put your hand up. Come on back in, saints. Don't leave. March on in. Come on. We come on back in. We marching up to Zion. Don't leave me. You got to stay with me now. Because I know the Lord Holy Spirit is prompting me to give you this. Because when it comes down to the desire and the feeling of want, you got to desire the things of God. 
And unless you have that desire, you will walk in carnality. And the Bible says the carnal mind is enmity against God. The mind, the person who walks around with a mind that is carnal, he said that mind is enmity. It's that battle with God. And watch this. And it is not subject to the law of God. And here's the key. Neither in its deeds will it be. You're not going to follow the things of God because your mind is not telling you to do that. Because your mind is not set on the things of God. But here's what, what Paul said. Set your affection, your mind, your intent on things above where Christ sitteth at the right hand of God. you got to keep the lordship of Christ in your mind daily. You have to keep the lordship of Christ in your mind daily. Say that with me. I've got to keep the lordship of Christ in my mind Jesus has to be Lord all day. He has to be Lord all day. Because when he's Lord all day, he, he, he works on you. When he's Lord, he has control in your life. When he's Lord, you don't just go do what you want to do. He said, wait a minute, wait a minute, baby. You know, you know that ain't the direction I told you. And you'll know it. You know what? I know I wasn't supposed to be down here, boy. I don't know how I got down here because the Holy Spirit said, because I didn't tell you to go. You said, yeah, you're right. You're right. So the truth of the matter is we have to desire God. Here's what I want you to do. Turn to Psalm 42. The psalmist helps us with this. Psalm 42. I'm almost done, actually. Because, listen, I don't want to lay too much on you. I want you to be able to take this and keep it. Amen? Psalm 42. The first two verses we need. Amen? Amen? Oh, boy, that's why I don't even come to church. Every time I come, the pastor, go to, he go to pick it on people. No, the Holy Spirit knew you were coming. He gave me this message yesterday. Not when you walked in. He gave it to me yesterday. He'd been giving it to me all week. So, so it couldn't have been that I was waiting on you to show up to say this. But he was expecting you today. He was expecting you today. Amen. You there? Psalm 42, verse 1 and 2. Look what it says. It says, as the deer pats for the water brooks, so pats my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Who shall come? When shall I come and appear? He said, when, when, when is the time when, when I come into your presence, God? When is this going to happen? He's speaking of a desire of a continuance in the presence and power of God. So in, in preparation for this, I went and I, and I watched a video of a deer panting. And so when the deer starts to pant, deers have a very calm demeanor. They have no expression. They don't, even when they get excited, they don't, you, don't, you don't see this. But the only time that a deer changes is expression when it pants. And when a deer starts panting his mouth, he goes, and he starts licking around his snout. And then as he begins to walk towards it, he's panting, but he's, he's, he's approaching slowly. Even though he's thirsty, 
He's approaching Sully almost reverentially. Almost like I'm being careful because the Bible says, be careful how you enter into the house of God. Be more ready to hear than to give a sacrifice of a fool. And I'm seeing the deer coming up slow. Even though he's panting and demonstrating his thirst, he's still coming in reverentially. And I saw the psalmist. He says, as a deer pants for the water brook, so my soul thirst for you, God. Because that deer understands that if he doesn't get a drink soon, he won't be able to perform the things necessary for him to survive. Hear me, people of God. The deer knows that unless he gets a drink, that he will not be able to perform what is necessary for him to survive. Because he doesn't know when he may have to be on the run for two miles, three miles. So he knows that in order for him to survive, he needs to get a drink. And all I'm trying to get you to understand, when you become spiritually dry, you become what's called spiritually dehydrated. And dehydration is an interesting thing because fever comes. Pain comes. Cramping starts to happen. Even at times, you begin to throw up. Watch this. And you can even develop diarrhea when you're dehydrated. The truth of the matter is, Jesus said that there are many people that are walking about in a spiritual condition of dehydration and they see the trauma of their life happening unfolding daily and they don't understand that they are thirsty for the living God. They're thirsty for the living God. Suicidal thoughts, thirsty for the living God. Depression, thirsty for the living God. My esteem is low, thirsty for the living God. My relationships are broken, jacked up, thirsty for the living God. Thirsty. So the psalmist says, as the deer pants for the water brook, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God. For the living God. And then because he's feeling so excited and in anticipation, he said, when will I come and appear before you, God? When will I come and appear before you? Thirsty. So now having this in your context, look what, now look at this again. On that last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus said it cried out, stood up and cried out, if anyone's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And look what he says. Every time you come and drink from me, what I have for you reproduces. Notice now, I don't want you to miss this, because these words are not just on the page. Jesus says the words that I speak, their spirit and their life. Everything he speaks has context. Look at the word now. Notice, 
He says, come to me and drink. But then what happens in you is a fountain. So you come and drink. But what comes out of you is a fountain. I've got children, you know that. Got, so we're watching The Incredibles. The Incredibles, and I cannot think of this character's name just as I start to say it, boy. Uh, in, the, in The Incredibles, one, uh, you know the friend whose, whose voice is played by Samuel Jackson, he's the frost, the frost man. What's his name? What's his name? Frozone. So Frozone and Incredibles, as the, as the movie's coming on, Frozone and, um, and, the, and Mr. Incredible are, are, are rescuing someone in a burning building. And so Mr. Incredible looks over to Frozone and he says to him, he says, listen, do your thing. Freeze all this up so we can get out of here. He says, no, I can't. I'm, I'm thirsty. I'm dry. And he says, and this air doesn't have much moisture in it. So they, they end up, Mr. Incredible knocks the way out, and they, knocks the, the wall down, they walk out, and as they come out, they, they've actually busted into a bank. So the alarm is going off, and a police officer runs up, and he's got a gun on, he tells them to freeze. Frozone is telling the officer, I just need a drink. He says, no freeze, he says, I'm just trying to get a drink. The officer relents. He says, okay, go ahead. He gets him a cup of water. He drinks it. And now his ability to produce many times more than what was in the cup has just been restored. Because at that point, he freezes the officer, he freezes the room, he freezes them away out, he's freezing all these things, but all of that came because he got a And Jesus said, if you come to me and just get you a drink out of your belly, will come rivers. You won't have to drink a gallon, you don't have to drink at all, just get you a drink. Out of your heart will be flow rivers, living water. Turn, if you would, that I might close here. Turn to Luke chapter 11. The Gospel of St. Luke chapter 11. Out of your belly, out of your heart will flow. So you've got to have that desire to see flowing coming out of you. Say, God, I want the fullness of what you have to offer. I want all of you, Jesus. More of you, less of me. And I'm not just going to sing it. I'm going to mean it. I'm going to be thirsty. I'm going to have a desire. I'm going to have a thirst for you, a thirst and a desire, an unquenchable thirst. Amen? Luke chapter 11. You're there? Slide your finger down to, and I love hearing these pages. God bless you. I know that we use technology, but, but, but it's still good to have you a Bible. There's something special about hitting these pages and hearing them changing. Amen? But it also helps you to become familiar with your word. 
it's hard to do that on, on, in technology because you know, you, 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 you're not really conscious and you're just, you're just typing stuff in. When you get to turn those pages and they fall on those certain pages where God continues to manifest your Bible, you start to look at your Bible and see where God, where God has been blessing you because those are the pages that start to, they start to crinkle up. They start, to, they start, they look worn. They got a lot of finger, finger oil on them. They, they, cause you've been there, you've been, you've been on them a lot. That starts to come back to you. It helps you. So even though you use your technology, praise God, I'm using it today, but I got my Bible here and I keep it with me because if I, if I need to, if the Holy Spirit is leading me to, to add something to it, I can, I can get there real quickly without this. Amen. But I have this because everything you're seeing here, I have here. Amen. God bless you. So with that said, Luke chapter 11, verse 11. Look what the word says. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? But look what Jesus says in verse 13. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I'm showing you because Jesus had declared that you got to want this. You got to want to have a, you got to want to live a spirit-filled life. You have to have a desire to live a spiritual life. And so he says here, he says, look, if your, Holy, if your Heavenly Father, if you know how to give good, give good gifts to your children, he says, well, then how much more would your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit for those who say, God, I want more? Who have a desire. Because we talked about this Tuesday night. The thing about it, the Holy Spirit works in us to help establish what God said would happen in us when the Holy Spirit came upon us. He said this, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you to be what? Witnesses. We talked Tuesday night about the fact that many people are no longer concerned about their witness. Your witness. What do people know of you that relates to Jesus? Do they believe, do they see Jesus working in you? Or do they know that you are a Christian and you cut up worse than they do? Because, see, your witness is your ability to be credible to speak about a subject. So how can you speak about love? Loving your neighbor when they hear you gossiping and talking people down. How can they hear you saying you reap what you sow when they see you sowing all kind of bad seed? How can they believe when you say God is able and every little single thing that happens on the job, you break it down? How can they know that God says, be ye holy, even as I am holy. When they see you have no concern about how you live your life. How can they ever hear you tell them that God said, without holiness, no man will see God. 
when your witness is on display and they don't see anything that resembles holiness. We're not talking about perfection. We're talking about holiness. Holiness is what people know of you. They say, wait a minute, I know them. Here's the thing. When people make accusations about you, do people believe it? Or do they say, no? No, I know her. That don't sound like her. Or do they say, I knew it. She comes in here with her dresses on and talking about her Jesus. But I knew she was a fake. Or do they say, no, uh, I got to search that out because that don't sound like her. That don't sound like him. Why? Because of your witness. So Jesus says, if you've been evil, you know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more? Will you have the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Now, let me tell you this. Let me, let me explain something real quick before, you, before I take you to this next verse. I need to help you understand something. Paul says in, first, in, in uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, he says, he says, after you heard the word and you believed, he says you were then sealed with the Holy Spirit. So I'm, I'm going to help you understand something. I'm not talking about salvation here. Because you can't be full of the Spirit if you don't have the Spirit. Okay, let me make this clear for you. So there is, hear this very carefully. There is, for the born-again believer, there is one indwelling of the Holy Spirit. But in the lifetime of a believer, there will be many feelings of the Spirit. Watch this now. Don't miss it, because I know you come, you come with, with context. You already have other things in your mind, but let me, sh- let me share this with you. There is one indwelling of the Spirit that is given to you because Paul said the Holy Spirit is given as a guarantee, as your earnest. There's one indwelling. There's many or multiple feelings of the Spirit. And I'm, I'm, t- I'm taking my time because I know that there are people who say, I'm, I'm Spirit-filled. And they're talking about an, an incident or an, an, something that happened to on, on some day, uh, at a time where they felt the fullness of God in their life. And they, then they, they feel that at that point they walk around full of the spirit for the rest of their lives. No. Because when, Jesus, when Paul gives us the Holy Spirit, when he speaks about the Holy Spirit filling us, he puts it in context with being drunk. He says, be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the spirit. So you got to understand, he didn't just throw two things in there together. They're, they're, they're related because he, he's saying that a person cannot remain drunk unless they continue to drink. So he says, don't be drunk with wine because he's saying the Holy Spirit is intended, intended to be in the life of man to influence his life. He says, be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. He's showing you traits that you got to continue the feeling process. In order, if you're going to be spirit-filled, you got to continue to feel. The reason why I say that because there are people who say, I've been spirit-filled, and they had an experience at some point, but they still walk around. They, they speak in tongues, but they'll cuss you, cuss you out, too. You better watch your mouth. 
but I'm spirit-filled, I'm spirit-filled, I'm spirit-filled. No, no, no. You, to be spirit-filled, you have a desire to be full of the spirit, and it's a continual drinking to stay full. Oh, I lost you. Let's march back in. Come on, saints. Let's come on back in. Come on back in. Amen. You back? All right, now let me move on. Because here's the thing. So we understand on the day of Pentecost, the Bible says that on the day of Pentecost, they were all in one place on one accord. And the Holy Spirit, there was a, there was a sound of a, a loud noise and then a, of a rushing mighty wind. And then it says what happened to them on that day, they were all filled with the Spirit. Okay, you understand this now, right? They were all filled with the Spirit. I'm going to show you that that same group Proving to you what I'm telling you, that there are multiple feelings of the Spirit, that same group prayed to be filled again. Y'all went out again. Come on back in. March back in. Come on back in with me. What, I, what I'm mimicking is when, when, when choirs come in. The choir come in. They come in right. They ready to come on and do whatever they need to do. Amen? So when I do this, this is what I'm talking about. Amen? Marching on back in. Come on back in with me. Now, so that same group who was filled with the Spirit on the day of Pentecost prayed and asked God to be filled again. You ready now? Turn to Acts chapter 4. I'll be done after this because I, I need to let, you, let this marinate with you for a week and then we'll come back to it again next week. Amen? I'm going to show you some other things, but, but, but I want to I get this in your heart today before I close. And so for the sake of, of the text, it's, it's, it's Acts chapter 4. I have to place before you uh, just three verses, but I want to get, I, I want to pull in some other things here. The, 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 the case here that we find, the scene is unfolding. Uh, Peter and John, after they healed the man, you know that, that very famous passage that we know, that we quote a lot of, silver and gold have we not, but such as I have uh, given unto you. So Peter and John have, have they, they've been preaching Jesus and they told the man hey listen we don't have anything but in the name of Jesus Christ get up so the man gets up and so many people start to talk they, they became famous people like man these guys are something something's about them and so the, the the magistrates and the leaders pulled them in and beat them and told them you better not say anything else about Jesus that's what's unfolding. Now, you need to understand that this is, this is after Jesus has been brutalized in public and hung on the cross. So these men have already a, some fear as to what may happen to them. So now what they're doing is they bring them in and they threaten them and they tell them, listen, if you keep preaching Jesus, more will come. You got that? That's the scene that's unfolding. Now, look at verse number excuse me, 29. So now, Lord, so they begin to pray. So what happens is Peter and John, after they released them, they went back to the house and all the saints, the saints were back at the house praying. They're praying for them. And so when they knock on the door, they come, they say, oh my God. So they come in and the first thing that they do because that Peter and John begin to explain to them what happened. They said, listen, they just, they, they, they threatened us and told us we, never, we shouldn't preach Jesus anymore. And this is where we pick up. Now, as they're praying, they come to this part of the prayer. Look what they said. They said, now, Lord, look on their threats. That's key because they were afraid because the fear had run in on them and they began to be nervous about preaching. They said, but now, Lord, 
look upon their threats and grant your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and the signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy son Jesus. I told you this before that the, 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 we, people are caught, uh, there are those who are, who are calling out for healing and asking for healing but they want to get well so they can go do more wrong. Healing it's supposed to be a part of the witness of the believers. Jesus healed that the people would accept the teaching that he was given. He, if that were the case, he, had, he says all power in heaven and earth. If he desired for the whole world just to be healed, miraculous, he could have stepped up and said, world, be healed. But they would not know the power by which they would heal. That's why he only healed where he went. So that when, they, when he would heal, they would know who he was. And then when he spoke about the, the gospel, they would accept the gospel because they saw the healing that he did. So if you say, God, I don't know why you healed me. You won't heal me. Well, probably, am I saying this now? That completely, but I'm saying this, it could be. That the Lord knows as soon as you get well. As soon as it happens, that Friday will be a Friday like no other. But that you won't step up and be a witness and say, The, the Lord Jesus healed my body that I might testify about his goodness and tell the world that he is real and that he has come. And that I have a, a, a personal witness in my body that he healed me and I know that it was only Jesus who did it. Now don't leave and be mad at it. The pastor said I can't get no healing because I, I know I love Jesus. I'm just saying it could be. You know why? Because here's what happened. There was a scene where a young man, Jesus healed him. And later on, he saw him at the temple. And here's what he told him. He says, young man, listen, go and sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. Think about this now. Jesus related the man's illness to the man's sin. Because where he found him was at church. He didn't find him sinning, so he wasn't talking about what he was doing at that moment. He was talking about what he had done. He says, go and sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. So it could be God is not healing because he knows what you, 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 you. Uh-uh. Say it again, Brother Richard, you're going to tear it up. We're going to light it up. What's the, that's a, it's a new term. Uh, turn it up. That's it. You're gonna turn it up and create a you're gonna turn it up and turn it upside down. It went up and down and over. And then got so bad you kicked it on. You're gonna turn it up. I'm gonna turn it over, turn it out. Could be. See, I try to give you a good diet of, of the word. I could just tell you, just believe, just believe. I'm giving you a, a healthy diet. My children. If, if they had their way, they would eat sugar all day. When I said that, Sister, Sister Edwards, 
Stand up, I want them to see who you are. <laughs> Sister Edwards, this is Sister Edwards. God bless her, put, her, put it in her heart to be my wife's armor bearer because we have young children that have a lot of things to do. And God bless you, we thank God for her. She'll just call and say, y'all need anything. But no, no, keep standing because I, I, I ain't told them why I got you standing. <laughs> now, they named her Jeta, so I'm unnaming her. I'm saying Sister Edwards. The children can name her Jeta. Y'all stop calling her Jeta. She's Sister Edwards, amen. amen. She ain't no kid. She's, she's one of our, our, our good, faithful mothers here. Now, watch this. So anytime the children hear that Jeta's coming, we say, you know, that Sister Edwards is coming over Jada's coming, Jada's coming, Jada's coming. You know why? Because Sister Ed was coming with a purse. P pick that up. Pick it up. Pick it up. Pick it up. See how it, got, it, it expands? She come with that bag, and she ain't got nothing good in there. So soon we walk out. Now you can sit down. God bless you. When we walk out the door, boy, they be in that, Gene, what you got in that bag? She start pulling candy and chips and sodas and everything out of there. So if they had their way, they would only eat junk food. They would only eat sweets. So I try to give you a balanced diet. As your pastor, I try to, I try to give you a balanced diet. I could just talk about how, how, what, what's coming your way. Your day is coming. It's your season. It's going to turn out for you. It's going to happen for you. I could do that. But that's just sweets. That's just sweets. Because really, all it does is it speaks to the selfishness of mankind right now. Do you realize the world is, 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 is being torn apart at the seams, and most people don't care. They're just waiting for their season to come in. So I, so I try to give you a balanced diet, amen? Now, now, here's what they're praying. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Look at verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken just like it was a few weeks earlier on the day of Pentecost. And the Bible says, and they were all with the Holy Spirit. But look why they needed to be filled. That they may speak the word of God with boldness. that they might go after souls because Jesus says, go ye therefore and make disciples. The feeling of the Holy Spirit is not that you might just have a display, but that you might be empowered to go finish your assignment in Jesus. And they were all filled. Look at this one. Do not be drunk with wine but be filled with the Spirit that you might go and do, for, go forth and do the Word of God. Look at this one. But you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost will come upon you to be what? Witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, in Samaria, unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they behold, he was taken up, a cloud received him. 
Jesus said, I'm going to leave this last thing on your heart. I want y'all to remember this. When the Holy Spirit comes, because understand, the day of Pentecost was 50 days after this. 50. 50 days after Jesus went up on this day. Acts 2 happens 50 days after this happened. And the Bible says, when they were all in one place, on one accord, then the Holy Spirit was sent. So God is trying to stir us as a church, as a group of people to have a desire for a spirit-filled church full of spirit-filled people. Not just church, folks. Coming here all out on the parking lot, cussing folks out and, 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 and leaving rubber on the lot when you leave. Mm-mm. Not all here out in the hallway uh, fussing and, and having disputes. Not, 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 not all on Facebook posting things, not, not, not gossiping, not, not, not trying to harm, but trying to build up, trying to exhort, not, not, not walking around and with, 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 with the, uh, looking as though that you're raggedy and unkept in God, but that you have, and I'm not talking about physically, I'm talking about spiritually, that you're not walking around looking spiritually well. But that we're walking around with the power of God manifesting itself in our lives daily, and we are seeing the power of God work through us to accomplish the will of God. Here's what the Word of God said, and I'm done. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen? Christ in you. The, Christ, the Spirit of God in you keeps giving you hope of where you're going. Christ in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. That's what the Holy, being full of the Holy Spirit means, that you have the fullness. Now, now, now can a person who has the Holy Spirit in them, uh, can they speak in tongues? Yes. Because the Bible says it is a gift of the Spirit. Can a, holy, can a person who has the Holy Spirit, full of the Spirit, uh, prophesy? The Lord can, can lean on someone and give them a word. Can, the, can, can someone uh, who the, who's full of the Spirit, uh, ha- God give them, grant them the gift of healing that they may lay hands on someone to be healed? Yes, that can happen. But if we understand what Jesus is saying, he says, but the greatest power that I'm working to accomplish through you is that you be witnesses. That men might know because I'm getting ready to go back to the Father, but I'm leaving you here to finish my work. See, there are people who, once they, once they, once they get to, get, once they can speak in tongues, they, they feel like they've accomplished. They're done. Let me tell you this, people of God, I have a gift of tongues. But I, I've never run this aisle speaking it. You know why? Because Paul said, he that prayeth in an unknown tongue edifies himself. What most people don't even understand, that the gift of tongues is not public, it is private. God gives it to you that you might be edified. When I, here's what happens to me. When I'm in my little prayer closet and I go in there, Sister Sandra, and, I, and I'm broke down, beat down, I just start speaking in tongues. Lord, in the name of Jesus. And boy, I just feel my spirit lifted up because the Bible says, he that prayeth in unknown tongue edifies. Edify means builds himself up. So Paul says, listen, so, so let me tell you this. Don't, God doesn't need a Holy Spirit cavalier, crusader running around trying to correct people because here's what Paul says. He says, in the assembly, I'd rather you speak five words with understanding than a thousand or ten thousand words in tongues. He says, because when we all have an understanding, we build the whole church up. When you're the only one speaking or when we're just speaking, we're just building ourselves up. 
But after he taught this, this is all, this is 1 Corinthians 14. As he gets to the end, he says, let everything be done decently in order. And then he concludes by saying this, but forbid none to speak. See, there are churches, there are people who feel that they'll run and grab somebody that's speaking in a tongue, go grab them. We don't do that here. And think that they're being biblical, but they're not. Because Paul says, forbid none to speak. So we don't, we don't shut nobody down. I just teach what's right and help they, hope they get it. But it ain't going to harm nobody. I said, okay, because he said, forbid none to speak. But he said, but let everything be done what? Do you think that's decent in order to go grab somebody? We don't do that. <laughs> Is that decent? That ain't even decent. So certainly ain't in order. Amen. God bless you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus for your word. Father, I thank you for your people. As I see their eyes, I see their heart. I see you speaking to them and, and addressing the things that, that, that their hearts have been wrestling with. Now, Father, we pray that you would continue to show yourself mighty, show yourself awesome, show yourself wonderful to them, and that the Holy Spirit is a, is a precious gift that you've given to empower us to live power-filled, spirit-filled, grace-filled, mercy-filled lives because the grace and mercy of God rests upon us. Holy Spirit, we are grateful for your, your presence in our lives. We're grateful for your patience in us. We're grateful for the work that you are sent forth to accomplish in us, through us. So, Father, we thank you today.